0: with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 61 of Connecting with Walt. I am your host and is historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you?
1: And welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me back in the United States. And... (laughs) Uh, and all that. No, I'm doing good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well, thank
0: you. And so, how is Alaska? Did you see uh, whales and dolphins and I, things?
1: I slept through the portion where the dolphins were beside our ship, so mm-hmm. I did not. Uh, I did not get to see them. I did see one orca off in the distance, so that was my first uh, wild orca in person. So that was that was pretty neat. Wish it would have been closer, but uh, from, from what we understood, it's one of those things that's, it's just really a crapshoot on whether or mm. not you see them. It's, it's, you either end up seeing a ton of them or you see maybe one or none. So, and the first time I was in Alaska, I didn't see any. So I, I went in with low expectations on this one, but no, saw, saw a lot of wildlife, uh, on our whale watching tour that we did in Juneau, we were on a, uh, a small kind of private vessel where there was only 7 of us on there and so we were able to zip around the water and get to the whales a lot quicker than a lot of the big boats that the the people get on right off the cruise ships where there's like 300 people all squished mm-hmm. together on a boat so uh we had one experience where a whale was actually swam right under our boat and when it popped up it was maybe uh three feet away from us wow like, so close you could have just reached out and touch it but um that that was neat saw a ton of seals and uh, otters which they're always uh playful and adorable and uh, saw more glaciers in my life than i've ever seen before since we actually went up to to glacier bay and uh, went through there, so if if you haven't ever done that before, it really is a, a remarkable experience. And I know it's it's not an itinerary that Disney does, uh, so that is unfortunate. But it is just it, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. It's one it's of those spectacular. things
0: you have to say. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, and it's the fact that they're saying that by the next generation that comes around when when they reach an age that a lot of people do when they finally sail alaska it's none of it might even be there anymore which is insane to think but uh it's you know these people these people watch it they study they go back they've seen the difference in in the glaciers over the years and so i'm just i'm happy enough that i was able to see it with my family while it is still there to be seen so uh it was just just a wonderful trip it was a really nice nice time getting away so but I'm, I'm sure lots of fun stuff happened at home while i was gone for you
0: well and you know just just the same old same old you know i did go to the walt disney family museum and i heard uh disney animator dale bear talk about uh his experience working with six of nine uh, of walt's nine old men oh that's cool and yeah that was a, it was a fascinating talk he was a, a young fellow and he got a job there working with them and any he we hopefully we'll have him on the show, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But yeah, he talked about his experience with each of them. Uh, their different personalities, what he learned from them. Now, at one point, they were all there, but some of them had. Uh, I think two had moved on to Imagineering, and one had uh, was directing. Mm-hmm. So so it was only six that he worked directly with, and and, and it was it was just really interesting. It, and he talked about what he learned from each them and why their legacies are so important. It, it was very sad because at the end he said, um, you know, one of the reasons he left, he was there five years uh, originally, and he since, you know, he's now, you know, he contracts with him, does work for them and, yeah. and all that. And he uh, said it, it, the, that the generation of animators that was coming in felt they didn't need the nine old men, that they, they were not significant any more relevant oh, wow. any longer and so the nine old men were just sort of um sort of fading away at the studio some of them which yeah. is amazing to think that you know that um you know they were just biding their time that is to, insane yeah 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 so uh, yeah, so and that's one of the reasons he left because you know the nine old men were finally you know just decided it was it was their time to go. Yeah. So wow. So I know I was stunned to hear that because now you know they're regarded by the animators you know with such awe. Oh, exactly. And I yeah, think that's amazing. But it was it was sort of the Don Bluth era where uh, at the Walt Disney Studios, where I guess um, they just really felt they knew better you know what to do and it, there wasn't anything to learn
1: I mean I, so. guess, I guess I can understand that but it's and I know there aren't a lot of documentaries out there about that time and uh, but still it, it seems like anyone who ever talks about the nine out mold men like you said holds them in such high regard that mm-hmm. it's kind of insane to hear the complete opposite something that I, I've never seen or heard about before but Wow, that, that must have been interesting.
0: <laughs> it was, it was. Yeah. But his presentation was excellent. It was very good. Good. So, um, anyway, and um, oh, and so I think you have um, an update on our This Week of Disney History quiz, so sort of our uh, Twitter, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a contest, but you know, in, in getting a listener to be a contestant, did you want to? Yeah. Update our listeners on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just like we told you, uh, we were looking for someone on Twitter. You had to follow and retweet our posts that we made on it. And uh, we we're very happy with the amount of people who did, uh, who did follow and retweet us with this one. And I, I can say that as of the time this is being released, not recorded, we have picked a winner from the group and uh we have reached out to them so uh it will be um it'll be on twitter obviously that's the only place we can contact you so make sure you go back and check through your tweets to see if we did uh, reach out to contact you and uh it'll be be taken from there but yeah so if you're listening to this on friday or over the weekend and you still haven't seen it now's the time to go back and check and see if you've yeah, you've seen everything from it. And we're, we're giving the winner until uh, Monday morning to, to respond to us. And at that point, we do have to record this um, as of uh, after this is going to be the Friday right before Independence Day. We are going to record the Tuesday after Independence Day. But it's going to be a crazy time. Michael's going to be traveling uh during this period as well too so we just want to try to get everything locked down um as early as possible so we know everyone so after the uh after monday morning if you still haven't reached out to us we're gonna have to go with the next person that we choose at random so then we'll give that person another couple days as well and if you still don't If we still don't have a person, we will choose one more person at random, and at that point, if we don't hear from someone, we'll just assume that no one cares about us anymore. (laughs) We're failures. Oh no, there'll still be people out there. (laughs) We'll just keep choosing. Yeah, no, (laughs) exactly.
0: Until somebody actually notices their Twitter account.
1: (laughs) Yes, and I do. We have basically set a date that we do want to record that. So we are looking at. Uh, the Tuesday, July 10th, we will probably be recording that, uh, give or take around 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. So uh, if you're listening to this and you still haven't found out that you got picked or you might be the next person to get picked, whatever, just just keep in mind that's the date we're looking to record with it. So uh, we're very excited seeing yeah. who who is going to challenge me and if i'm going to be embarrassed i'm good at beating co-workers and uh so far i've only lost once and that was to luella Mm
0: -hmm. yeah well
1: so we'll we'll see who are our disney experts out there
0: yes so okay looking forward to it Well, you know, every quarter we invite members of our Connecting with Walt family to become a part of the show by submitting questions for Craig and me to answer. We have received over 120 questions on the Diz Unplug Facebook page, and we've selected a few to talk about, and we've categorized them by topic. And Craig and I will take turns selecting the questions and discussing them. And we've gotten so many questions that we're actually going to do this over two episodes. So today we're going to talk about uh, the, the questions that fall into the categories uh, under as of Walt Disney. And uh, just sort of scroll in here. And uh, the Walt Disney um, Studio and Films. And also uh, the Walt Disney Company. Maybe we'll get into miscellaneous. We'll see. And then next week, the bulk of the questions were on the theme parks. So we're just going to do q and A, a, a Q&A next week on just the theme parks.
1: Exactly. So, so. and we weren't going to do anything at all. So. No, happy Independence because, Day to you! <laughs> right,
0: because I was I'm traveling. Craig and I had back to back vacations. Yeah. So actually, uh, my wife and I will be in Orlando um, this coming week. Actually, by the time we record, by the time you hear this, uh, my wife and I will already be in Orlando, and we were not going to have a show next week. And then we saw we had so many questions. Uh, we decided, uh, hey, let's just record. Two two episodes at once, and that way you will have a, a, an episode next week. Yeah, two, and it means we can answer more questions. Exactly. So, okay. So anyway, so Craig and I are each going to take turns selecting a question and responding to it. Uh, so, Craig, do you uh, do you want to kick this off? Do you want to select one, and then we'll each take turns? Yeah,
1: and I apologize, Michael, because the first one uh, is a it's a question that i'll be asking you uh okay. essentially because i don't know the answer of it and when it was on there it just it really intrigued me on it but this one comes from another michael and michael asked was there ever a time when walt stepped in as a frontline cast member like working in attraction merchandise food and beverage host to experience firsthand guest interaction if so what role did he work as
0: Yeah, that was an interesting question. And and actually, we see a lot of... You'll see a lot of publicity, you know, film and and photos of Walt. You know, when he was taking heads of state or government officials or Hollywood luminaries on a tour of his park, he would frequently take a turn at piloting a Jungle Cruise boat. Uh, Mm -hmm. Walt liked to uh, drive his trains. And sometimes he actually did that um, when when guests were in the park and they just had no idea what was the engineer uh he also but he would also drive them um you know before or after park hours he would frequently he loved driving the carnation ice cream truck which we've talked about before when we had bob ger on you know that was the ger mobile and that was the little that was the uh Label that was on it, and he would do that a lot of times before the park was open. Yeah. Um, once in a while, you Walt might scoop ice cream, you know, um, for guests. And, you know, again, the, a lot of times this is for cameras. I did read a story somewhere, and I I couldn't locate it. Um, Walt once took a turn, as uh, I think it might have been as a friend of Goofy. No. Oh, wow! And he he went out. For a short while, to experience it, it might, and it might not have been a friend of Goofy. It might have been a friend of another character, but he went out for a time to to have that experience. Um, he never did it again, and uh, but but he just wanted to see what that kind of interaction was. Yeah. Now now, Walt frequently rode the attractions uh, to see what it was like on the part of the guests. To you know, to get their point of view, how, what was their experience like? Uh, he would uh, time the queues, how long he waited in the queues. He did not want queue waits to be more than five to ten minutes. Interestingly, right? mm-hmm. and he would uh, he would sometimes get on the jungle cruise skippers because he would sit there with his his stopwatch, and it, he got on them if the cruises were going too fast, and uh, and would call them over and say you need to slow these boats down and give the guests you know the proper experience. So Walt Walt would uh, experience firsthand guest interaction uh, but he would try to do it from the guest point of view also he would wait in the queues with them yeah and he would and he would talk to them. he would ask them about their day, what they liked about the park uh, he'd ask them about their experiences and there's a lot of photos about that of, of Walt just hanging out. If um, only you know, in the park.
1: If only Walt could be in around to, to wait in a four-hour wait a flight of passage while people were uh, defecating in the in the queue. Oh, wouldn't oh that gosh. be the times? <laughs> I,
0: I am so happy I have never seen that. Well, I saw it in in you know, some of our international parks. Yeah, <laughs> but um, and it was not a four-hour wait. It was oh look, they're just standing right there on the path. <laughs> but um anyway. Yeah, so so definitely, and and Walt wanted all of the he wanted the executives out there in the park as well. You know that's why he wouldn't put air conditioning in executive offices. He wouldn't even give them offices, and so not that that's why it was sort of felt that that big old yellow team built Disney building that was built. Even though we don't get into what would Walt think, there there are folks that knew Walt that thought he would not like that. Yeah. He did not want people behind their desks. He wanted them in the park. So um so just okay. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question, Michael.
1: All right. Okay, your turn to pick.
0: Let's see. Uh some of the some of the ones in the Walt one. Well, here's one for, here's one that I think we both can answer. This one is from Derek what life lesson from Walt's life do you apply to your own life?
1: I would say, from mine, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, a Walt a life lesson per se, but it's definitely a quote from him, and that is keep moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I, I used to really focus and, uh, you know, be very hard on myself on times when, when I wasn't really, really happy with what I was doing, where I was going. And I don't know if it's, I hit a certain age or just a a certain place in my life and maturity where I realized that, you know, sometimes you just, you can't fix things, but you can really try to just keep moving forward through them and come out the other side and, and just keep progressing as a person as uh, intellectually uh mentally all all over the place so i that's one that i definitely do hold near and dear and anytime i see that quote anywhere uh whether it's like at the end of meet the robinsons or on a construction Mm -hmm. wall it still it it brings a smile to my face because it is it's a good mantra to, to live by
0: I agree. I like that one. Uh, for me, that life lessons sort of that I take from Walt, It depends sort of what's going on in my life and what I'm focusing on. Uh, right now, it's I think especially because of sort of what's going on in our society and in politics and in the media. Uh, I'm I'm really trying to see other people's point of view and understanding them. I think that we have to listen to others, even if they if we don't agree with them so that we understand them because by understanding them we we un- we can we better understand ourselves and and our points of view and, and Walt did that uh, you know Walt Walt, st- you know, Walt would listen to people he you know he he but he and he still did what he thought was best so but he did take counsel and he 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 he, he did not want yes men around him um you know, I think now especially now where we see that people are in the media and in politics and all that, they're guided more by emotion than by really giving serious thought to situations. Um, you you can't make decisions based on emotion. We can't run a civilization based on emotion. But unfortunately that seems to be what's happening right now. And so I really try to take in how Walt was respectful of other people and still followed his own his guidance and his you know what he thought was best but he didn't um, put people down you know you know he wanted to hear the dissent yeah. you know and all that and so I think um, that's what I like I also like the uh, yes we can do it if kind of um philosophy. I definitely yeah. use that yeah. at work. And, and and Walt was that way as well. Yes, we can do this if we do this and this and this. And that's how and, and we we heard Marty Sklar say this, we heard Bob Ger say this. That's how you had to relate to Walt. Instead of saying no we can't do it, you have to say yes we can do it if we do this and sometimes that if was enough that Walt would think yeah but you know what we don't want to do that and then what would go off and find a better way or find a better idea or something like that and so, uh, so yeah. those are the things that i i'm trying to uh, apply in my life at the moment
1: yeah i'm see i'm the ultimate pessimist so i do the no we can't do this unless and Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I work it. So sometimes it benefits me. Most of the times it it doesn't, and mm-hmm. I have to change my attitude on that. So, but uh, that's the joys of working with Pete Warner. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> he he likes things to be done. Just I'm guessing the same way Walt did. Um, mm-hmm. But here's another fun question that I really love. This one I can't wait to answer it too. But it comes from Shannon and Shannon asks if you could have one Disney day with Walt see a movie ride a ride eat somewhere in a Disney park what would you choose and why
0: hmm one Disney day with Walt see a movie probably I don't know what yeah I thought of this you know it's funny I didn't write any notes down um I thought, well, okay. I immediately thought, okay, do I want to see? I, do I want to watch Saving Mister Banks with him, and then and then find out? Okay, what really went on here, Walt? <laughs> Although I know that Walt, and there's a, there's a question about this later on. I don't know if we'll choose it, but uh, Walt basically bailed, and he 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 was not present for much of what was depicted in. Mm-hmm. in in that he went off to um, Smoke Tree Ranch because she drove him nuts and um, I don't know I probably want to take him to see what I'd want him to see what is the latest and greatest because that's what Walt was always interested in Walt loved technology like you said Craig he liked moving forward I would want to take Walt to see what is the latest Disney animated film or you know Disney Pixar animated film so you could see how far they've come along you know, since uh, since his passing, yeah. you know, when they were working on, you know, Robin Hood and, and things like that, and uh, and the Aristocats and stuff. Um, ride a ride. Again, I'd want to take him on the latest ride, you know, again, so that he could see the newest technology, you know, or, or take him to to see, uh, you know, *Radiator Springs*. Look at this immersive experience. Or, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to necessarily take him to, uh, you know, *Avatar*, the world of Pandora. <laughs> but um, I'd want to take him to something that he could still relate to, you know. Yeah. But I wanted, to, I would again want him to see, look what your Imagineers can do now, you know, wh- whatever that may be. So, and eat somewhere in a Disney park. I don't know. Carthy Circle is pretty nice. I don't know. I, I, I'd want to take him somewhere. I'd want to take him somewhere nice that I think you would enjoy. <laughs> but you know, you know, the problem is he never ate in the Blue Bayou. He never oh, saw wow. it. So I think I'd want to take him to the Blue Bayou because he never saw Pirates of the Caribbean. And you know, and maybe yeah. that's the ride I'd take him on even because he never saw it. Although, well, they've Dinked around with it a bit, mm-hmm. but I even show him. Hey, you know the one scene you did see? Look what they've done to it. But uh, I think I would take him to Blue
1: Bayou. Cool. That
0: was so a good what answer. about you? No, uh,
1: the movie, I, I thought about it a long time, uh, and I the first thing that I thought of with a movie is I would want to choose something that was a uh, one that he had a lot of. Uh, a lot of input in when making it, so that way I could kind of get the uh, creator's commentary right mm-hmm. beside me uh, while it was happening. but then I said, you know what now, kind of with with the what you said why why wouldn't you want to show him something that progressed from what he did see so I think the toss up with the two movies that I would want I would want to watch with him. I would either want to watch Star Wars or Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark in particular. Oh, interesting. Um, just because those are, that's essentially like the next generation, right after him in terms of action and adventure. Uh when you think about it so coming off the late 60s and going towards the late 70s early 80s with that 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 was that new form of action adventure movies which they made a lot of at the studios and a, a lot of good ones too so i would be very interested to see what what he thought about them especially with you know his love of space and everything surrounding that scene star wars in that way but Um, so it'd be one of those two probably Star Wars but Mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark Um, for an attraction I would have to say uh, you alluded to it earlier but um, I I would have to ride the railroad with them the Disneyland Railroad so it's just railroads were that important to Walt that I feel like I feel like I could probably get a lot of input about his love of trains while we were riding around on it. And, you know, who knows, maybe even catch him at his happiest in, in a few moments here and there. But that's, of course, just all blue skying at this point. And eating somewhere, uh, now that I have eaten there, I'd probably say Waltz at Disneyland Paris. Just because I, I would... I don't know, I think he would appreciate that restaurant. So even though, you know, I don't I don't know how happy he would be about it being named Waltz and I but beyond that, it just I, I feel like he would love the, the thought and creativity going into designing the restaurant and um and you know, it'd just be it'd be an experience to be able to walk around with him and see all the different rooms brought to life mm-hmm. in a restaurant. I think that would just That'd be a cool experience. So, and of course, the the fallback on that is my go to fallback, and that's Disneyland corn dogs. And <laughs> we would just eat corn dogs together on Main Street.
0: Uh, well, Walt loved hot dogs, so yeah. I think that's great. I think you you've also planned a wonderful day for him.
1: I'm so yeah. It w- we'd make him happy. <laughs> I think
0: so. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm. Uh, there's one I'm just going to answer. Uh, okay, And and that's uh, Michael. Another Michael asks, yeah. um, how did Walt select his nine old men? I am particularly interested in significant animators who were not included. For example, why was of Iworks not one of them? Uh, we are going to talk a lot about the nine old men uh, in the coming um, weeks and months and probably a couple of years here. Uh, to build off of the exhibit that the Walt Disney Family Museum is doing on Walt's Nine Old Men Uh, the term but so I'll give you just a little you know just a little readers digest version here a uh, response the term nine old men uh, it was mainly for publicity really it, it was to build on president franklin d roosevelt's reference to the united states supreme court as the nine old men so basically these were Walt's most trusted animators and so so you know so that's why the ter- what well, that's why he had nine but there were others as michael you sort of alluded to ken anderson comes to mind I, I, if you wanted to say there were 10 old men ken anderson would definitely be one of them um you know, but these were uh, these are the animators that Walt trusted the most and depended upon to create his stories and bring them to life. And some of them, you went on to be directors. Some went on to be Imagineers. Uh, Ub Iwerks was not included because he wasn't at the studio when this term was coined. Ub did leave the studio for a time. He and Walt sort of had a falling out and they uh and so ub went and, and tried to start his own studio uh it, it wasn't as successful as ub would have liked uh, ub did come back to uh, the walt disney studio and he worked in animation but he mainly worked on special projects i mean the the multi-plane camera you know we can we can thank ub for for that and many other things and uh, you know ub won academy awards for some of his achievements and um so that's the only reason uh, when when this happened Ub just happened to not be at the studio I suspect he would have been part of this group had he been at the studio during this time cool
1: okay well I'm going to ask you another question Then I'm actually going to jump down into our next category with the uh, films in Walt Disney Studios and um, I'm going to start with one from Talia. And Talia asks, is there a Disney movie that you watched that you never connected with, but after seeing something in the parks, whether it be a show or character interaction, changed the way you feel about that movie?
0: You know, I thought about this and I I couldn't think of one. Uh, yeah, Usually the Disney films that I didn't connect with generally never had a presence in the park um you know like the lone ranger mm-hmm. or something like that um uh, all the animated films i really enjoyed it uh, for most of them i felt they didn't have enough of a presence in the park yeah but um no i i you know i i think that for me it was you know i saw a lot of the films first before i um yeah and i went to the parks and i i just couldn't think of anything you know that came to mind
1: i um i i have two though so i can Mm -hmm. i can back that up um the the first one for me it's very stereotypical uh in terms of people saying it but uh although i did see uh the first Cars movie at the drive-in, um, which is a, a, a good memory to have because mm-hmm. it's a perfect, perfect movie to see in that setting. But uh, I, like many other people, left, left not feeling overly impressed with the movie. And then uh, after, after seeing Cars Land the, for the first time in 2013 when I was in Disneyland, it just ignited the spark. For that first film, uh, the first Cars movie, that now anytime it's on, I I end up watching it. Uh, I just can't stop. And and while the second movie is still awful, um, I the third, I just I I adore the third one. I I think mm-hmm. it may be better than the the first one. It's just it's completely different, but it's it's very entertaining and very well done. So that was one that definitely I connected with after. I experienced Cars Land. And the other is kind of in a similar vein. And this one's going to be very shocking, though, because I was in the minority that I really did not enjoy Finding Nemo when it first came out. Um, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it after it was uh, released on home video. And after seeing people freak out about it for months and months and months, it I just got lost in the hype. And I was like, okay, well, that's it? that's the movie that everyone's losing their minds about so it didn't it didn't resonate with me but then as it did start getting weaved into the parks and integrated uh i've circled back around now and i've watched it a couple more times and uh between the parks and then giving giving it a little bit of time i've come to actually appreciate uh finding nemo a lot more Uh, so that that was another one that i i could have taken or leaving it uh, taken it or left it the first time. First time I saw it, but the parks helped helped me get a little bit more excited about it for future viewings. And now, now I generally enjoy it anytime I watch it. So, those are my two. Okay, so for me, I think I like
0: those two films, and uh, and then F- Carsland made me enjoy them more. Enjoy cars more. I think I went in with cars with a very low expectation because the concept sounded stupid to me, and um, I thought a land or the cars are yeah. you know and and then so I think I went in with such low expectations. Sort of like um, I saw Solo this past weekend. I went in with really low expectations, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I and I didn't think it deserved all the. Trashing that it's gotten, and I think I so I went into Cars thinking this is going to be very good, and I came out really liking it. I was shocked hmm. that I really liked it. So, my Finding Nemo I really liked. I don't like how it's been um, represented in the parks. I don't like what they did with the Living Seas at in Epcot, um, you know, Future World. And I'm I'm I love the submarine you know voyage in disneyland i write it because i like the concept of that attraction you know you're going underwater yeah and that it's a submarine ride and it's real i mean you you're in the water and i don't um i don't like that they put finding nemo in it Hmm. so but i ride it because i like the attraction you know i get you yeah
1: vehicle you know huh. that kind of thing just funny to see that we're on uh just two complete opposite sides on that <laughs> yeah yeah so, hey we don't yeah. always agree on everything no we don't but we don't we don't get mad at each other no not all the time
0: <laughs> so, well i can't think of any time you just <laughs> agree oh well, maybe muppets take liberty square yeah, that's okay. about it yeah <laughs> 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 anyway, um, uh, well, I have one for you. It's sort of in the same vein, but, uh, but I think uh, since you're our um, film critic for the Diz, I think I, I think this is a good one for you. Uh, Justin asked recently. I rewatched Princess and the Frog, which is one of is my favorite modern classic. Justin. Uh, and realized I vastly underrated the film when it was first released. It is now one of my personal favorites. Are there any Disney films that you feel don't get as much love as they should? For instance, The Black Cauldron or Treasure Planet. So, Craig, what about you? Uh,
1: The one that would pop out in my mind, just because we're we're talking animation with Princess and the Frog and then the examples with that, I'm just going to stick in the animation category, if we went live action, uh, I mean, I think both you and I could put together a full list of, uh, underappreciated, uh, Walt Disney live action movies. Uh, oh yeah. A, a lot just that I would have never known about if it wasn't for the treasures from the Disney vault. So, um, uh, I, have found out about a ton of great movies from that, but with the more mainstream ones, uh, I would say, and in the animated classics, I would say my biggest one is, uh, I would say... I'll, I'll give two, because I can't decide which one I would want to say. Uh, for me, it would either be uh, Saludos Amigos or mm-hmm. Fox and the Hound. So, mm-hmm. I, Fox and the Hound is definitely more personal for me. That was one of my favorites growing up. And it was a little bit shocking to to become an adult and find out that it wasn't just a movie that everyone looked and it it was made during this era that just has been completely undervalued so uh the fact is it's still i think is a very moving movie uh yeah say that three times fast um it's very touching and uh it, it holds a place in my heart and i think I think you know whether you love animals or you just are very connected with family uh there's there's definitely there's sef- definitely a lot of good values to see in it and I I feel like not enough people not enough people get excited about it as they should and um and then with saludos amigos I think that's just one that Disney makes it so hard to find uh that I kind of blame them for it. I I, I know it's not as uh, that and Three Caballeros aren't as culturally appropriate for this day and age now as they, they could be. And thank goodness it's finally on Blu-ray through the Disney Movie Club. Uh, so it is it is finally accessible if you're a part of that, which it is expensive to become a part of it. But nonetheless, it, it's still they're trying to get those movies out there but uh i i feel like it's even when i was growing up you know it's if you saw either of those two you would see three caballeros you wouldn't see saludos amigos and i mm-hmm. i think it's actually a really really entertaining entertaining movie and there's there's a lot of great aspects of it so th- those are two that i feel like they truly don't get as much love as they they should
0: yeah i, I agree with both of those. i love fox and the hound I just—it's one of my favorites. In fact, the first cat we owned, I named Todd uh-huh. after the character in in Fox and the Hound, yeah. and uh, I think it's just—it's a wonderful story, and I think it's beautifully rendered. And so, um, I, and I agree with me, because I, I knew you were going to choose that one. <laughs> I, I just—I just think the animation, the energy in that, the storyline. Um, the the and and the animation was really cutting edge. Mm-hmm. It it was it was not the traditional animation. I mean, Walt wanted them to, you, you know, really, um, to, uh, re- uh, really go all out. And and yet how they broke the rules, where characters might exit on uh, left side of the screen, but they enter on the right. You know, and all, all and all kinds of things. So. Um, it's yeah it's a very fun film if you haven't seen it you should my two one you've already mentioned one is Meet the Robinsons I I love this film I I I think i saw it three or four times in the theater i thought it was a great storyline uh it, it, that you, know, you talked about keep moving forward i think just the theme that 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 will I, i'll say will robinson i'm sorry i mean the the i i still think it's too close to the television show um but you know the the, the main character wilbur uh, he's wilbur right? yeah he's wilbur robinson yeah yeah he um he, he he still kept he still kept persevering. He had a lot thrown in his you know Adam, and he just kept persevering. And he f- I'm not going to ruin it because some of you might have thought oh we didn't want to watch it now you want to it, it, you might go and do it but um just how everything works out in the end he finds his place and uh, I just think it's a lovely film and I just like how wacky it is. Oh yeah, no, and, it's and, hilarious. And, and, it, and it involved and, and I actually ended up getting the story, you know, the book it's based on when it came out in two thousand and seven and read it. And that that's a lot of fun too. And um, my other one I fudged a little on because although there is animation, it's also live action and that is Song of the South from nineteen forty six. Um there there is another question in here about do we think it should have been banned? Um I do not. Uh, Song of the South was it, it is a breathtaking film in its animation. How beautifully it's put together! Uh, how the stories of Uncle Remus are lovingly told. Um, it is it does not take place during the Civil War, and it and the people who think it does and that it glorifies slavery have not seen the film. And uh, it, it is during the. Um, it is after the war, and that is made very clear in the beginning, in the screen crawl. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, Disney won't release it. it again, it, my, my commentary on our society. Right now, we seem to be engaged in whitewashing our history. And rather than educating children about what went on, and and having a discussion with them about it, and how we have changed, and how we have overcome things like racism, slavery. Um, instead, we ban things. What? What? Little House on the Prairie just got banned. Or no, it didn't get banned. It 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 lost its award because of the depiction of of Native Americans. Well again you you have you discuss with your children this is what people thought then but we overcame it that that the story of our country is not how we 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 were bigoted at the time how we treated people like animals and all that yes that is a part of it but Also, the story of our country is that we overcame that. We abolished that. We learned from that. And even though we are still making mistakes, we are moving forward. We are learning from that. That is the story of the United States, that we are learning from what we've done. We overcome it and and move forward. And that is why I do not think Song of the South should be banned. It there should be a discussion about its place in history and it should be made available to the public.
1: And it, yeah, and well, I mean, and I I know the the wording on that was banned too and it's technically it's just Disney's it's not banned. There is no person out there saying It's it's never allowed to be seen before. It's just Disney choosing uh not to release it and in I I think it's Japan. It's actually under it's in under their public domain. So it is completely uh completely uh in that that open area where uh technically people could do whatever they want to do with it over there, but um, it, I I do I do agree with you on points that it, it, I I am in the the strong uh, belief that it should be out there, but I part of the issue with it is I don't think enough I don't think enough people out there would take the time to truly educate people before seeing it, and that's mm-hmm. that's an important aspect of it that's why it, you know I feel like the average kid doesn't sit down and watch Gone with the Wind which also uh, definitely there's there's moments in it that are, are uncomfortable to oh, watch absolutely. Um, a, a lot of it but a lot of, you don't hear kids just sitting down wanting to watch Gone with the Wind for the very first time. Usually it happens through a parent that is passionate about movies or it's in an environment on on a channel like TCM where they're trying to educate people about movies and and bringing that into it too. And so I feel like in the right way, uh, the right way of it being released, uh, it could uh, overcome the issues that that surround it that people are worried about with it. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that if Disney were to release it tomorrow, for some reason, uh, they would promote it like they do any other movie As the next thing you have to add to your library and people would just watch it and forget that there is, uh, some context that needs to be given for it. Mm -hmm. And, but, but, you know, that's, that's a greater discussion on, on, Parenting and, and actually learning history and all of that that I don't think we need to necessarily get into on here. But um, that's why I understand the people who are on the side of holding it back. But, you know, at the D23 Expo where... Um, where... What's her name? I feel terrible saying it right now and insensitive. But when she got her uh, Disney Legends statue, uh, Whoopi, she even... Uh, called for the release of "Song of the South," saying mm-hmm. it. So it's yeah. it's not like it's it's not like it's people of color who are just saying it needs to stay away. they're uh, it's just it the context that it's seen in is what needs to be paid attention to.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and, and again, people need to stop reacting emotionally and again step back and think, you know, you know uh, stop to consider and, and, and have intelligent discourse rather than having an, an immediate emotional response, which, as I said earlier, seems to be uh, what, what our country is doing at the moment, at least a segment yeah. of it. But keep in mind that the, the, the actors who were in this, the, the actors of color that were in this, um, were very proud yeah. of the film and had no regrets about being in it at all so all righty
1: i forget where we are are now it's at my turn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let me look through i think there was one more on the movies before yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a powder keg here so i'm gonna try not to spark too long of a discussion but uh jason asked do we wish that disney would go back to hand-drawn animation instead of depending on computer animation
0: i'd like to see them do both i think that i think that both uh mediums have their advantages and disadvantages yeah i i i love hand-drawn animation i think it 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 provides a different i think it provides a depth of storytelling and um it gives the characters a warmth and uh, that um so far i have not seen in the the computer graphics the computer animated ones Mm -hmm. um in terms of the shading the the texture um but even in just in their movement, um, it, hand-drawn is very different. Um, the coloring, I mean, everything, and um, the, the, there is a there's I, there is a warmth. I, I I don't know how to describe it. It's very homey. Yeah, you know, hand-drawn animation. It's very lush. And I don't, you know, the lighting, they, they seem to be able to do much more with the lighting in hand-drawn animation and lighting effects. But computer graphics, I think it's amazing, the things they, they accomplish with it. Um, the, 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 there's things they can do that they can't necessarily do with hand-drawn. Look at Sully and his fur. Yeah. Um, look at the water in Moana you know, um, Rapunzel's hair, you know, entangled. I mean, so there's all kinds of things that they could do. So I like both. I think they both have their place. And I, I wish that the studios would do both.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I agree with you on that. So I, I I do see both sides of it. There are some that have been made in recent history that I think could work as uh, as actually hand-drawn like i'm i I think frozen could have worked as hand-drawn there are some epic moments uh done with the use of computers uh but i I feel like that doesn't have that depth uh to it in terms of the landscape and the environments and not that not that you can't capture that in hand-drawn animation but i feel like uh, i feel like actual backgrounds and environments have just been blessed with computers um and the examples of that are a a movie like big hero 6 that is just has this huge world in it that uh would lose context if it was if it was done on if it was done as hand-drawn animation same Mm -hmm. thing goes for uh for wreck it ralph and its sequel that's about to come out uh this thanksgiving as well as zootopia Uh, while they could have been done uh, not so much Wreck-It Ralph I feel like that had to be uh, computer graphics for it but something like Zootopia yeah they could have got away with it but a lot of the most breathtaking moments are when you're seeing uh, the actual city and going and exploring the different neighborhoods and uh, it's just something that computers have done amazingly and and I agree with you on Moana uh, especially with the water it's there's just there's so many moments in that movie that just take my breath away still watching it that you know i i've seen the sketches of it and that they did when storyboarding the movie and those just don't have the same impact as the final product so or,
0: or the lighting in cocoa you know that one yeah. scene when he goes to the um i don't know the Wherever he goes, heaven, whatever—I I don't know what they called it. I, that was amazing. Yeah, but then, but then, let's look at Bambi. Those backgrounds on Bambi—they're the, gorgeous. Yeah. That that could not have been done with computers.
1: No, no, know? and I think that's you know? that's the big stretch on it. um Yeah, it's, when it comes to like actual cities. It, I feel I feel just personally from my aesthetic, I appreciate cities done in CGI more. Uh, it's, I feel like that's a strong suit, uh, but for the most part, I I prefer uh, nature done in hand drawn animation. There have been some moments where that's uh, that's opposite. So the big one for me sticks out is Good Dinosaur. Um, it's that's basically photorealistic. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's amazing. But, um, with nature, I feel like, you know, some it's when you have that abstract view on nature or that, uh, just quirky perspective of it, uh, a bit magical going like, like you said, with Bambi and Tyrus Wong or, um, with the backgrounds in sleeping beauty with Ivan Durrell that can also accomplish a lot. So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it's. In an ideal world, we'd be able to see both, just so we could have our pick. And, <laughs> but that's, wish. it's not an ideal world. <laughs>
0: or I wish they could choose which medium they want to best tell the story. Yeah,
1: I you I know? would be down with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, is it's my turn? Yes, it is now your uh, turn.
0: All right. Let's see. Do. Uh, There's just one I'm going to quickly answer, because then I'm going to plug a past episode. Uh, Andrea asked, how accurate is Saving Mr. Banks in regards to how Mary Poppins came about? Love that movie. Andrea, I I love that film, too. That's one of my travel films that I'll watch on the airplane on my um, iPad. Mm -hmm. But... um, it, I, I'm so sorry to tell you, it is not very accurate. Um, I did a full episode on this for, I think it was my kickoff, for the 60 Years of Disneyland series. It's back on January 30th, 2014. Um, it's it, uh, The title of it was From Mary Poppins to Saving Mr. Banks. And I really go through and talk about uh, the, the the history of, of Mary Poppins and how it was depicted in Saving Mr. Banks, and but you know it, even after though if you choose to, to go back and listen to that episode, that January thirtieth, twenty fourteen episode um, in our Disneyland show archives, um, it's not gonna it's not gonna affect how much you enjoy Saving Mr. Banks because it's a wonderful story. Uh, visually, I love it. I love seeing that era from my childhood, um, and and. how we dressed i always i always talk about we dressed so spiffy and so classy in those days and i i i just i I love the film so
1: um as do i yes uh (laughs) okay i think we have time for two questions and um i i'm gonna ask You both of them. I'll I'll put my input in on one of them. The other, Mm -hmm. it's going to be wrapped up with you. But uh, the first one, um, we talked about it on other podcasts and stuff. But. Since you're only on Connecting with Walt, I feel I feel like I want to give you the opportunity to discuss it if you want to. If you don't, right. you don't have to. But mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay asked what your thoughts are on uh, John Lasseter stepping down at the end of the year. And uh, will it allow more opportunities for voices that have been stifled to step into leadership positions?
0: This is a tough one. Th- this, this just leaves me feeling so sad. Um, yeah. It, it's, you know, I, I I mean I've met John Lasseter on several occasions, um, you know, outside, you know, I've met him at at the Lasseter family winery and and things like that where we've just now I'm not telling you if you met him and you say hey I we have a mutual friend Michael Bowling he would look at you like you had you know spiders crawling out of your ears he doesn't know me from Adam, but we we had some nice times and and you know where we've just chatted about life and things like that briefly, you know, while enjoying his wine. And I know people who know him. And it's the John Lasseter that was described isn't the one that people I know who know him as a personal friend describe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but I understand people people are different in different places. I think at the core, we're all still different. But definitely, you know, I'm at work, I I have a slightly different persona. Um, When I taught, you know, when I I was a full time teacher, you know, I definitely was very different in the classroom um, than, you know, elsewhere, I was different depending upon the grade I taught when I was a first grade teacher, definitely was different than when I was teaching eighth grade, or when I was teaching college. So I, I understand that, people can be different in different places mm-hmm. um, I just think it's so sad and I, and I also know people who worked with him and I never heard this they worked with him though in um, Imagineering and not at um, Pixar so their experience um, was different Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming so it's just so sad it's such a brilliant career and it just sort of ended like this you know in sort of a whimper um you know but I think that it um I you know I and I so and I don't know I only know what has been told to us I don't know it, was he talked to before you know things like that um you know I, I think it's I think it's too bad that he 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 had to step down and that there was no other recourse I don't know if there could have been another recourse though given this situation but I think it's too bad that there couldn't have been one that would have been um, amenable for all parties involved and that would have been the most important thing everyone would have had to have been comfortable and okay with whatever the decision was and I don't think there could have been uh, a decision made where everybody could have felt that way so this yeah. probably was the only the only resolution um will this allow more opportunities for those whose voices have been stifled to step into leadership positions if if what we've been told is true it certainly sounds like there will be um I don't think it means that it's the end of Pixar. It's the end of imagination in the Disney company. You know, I've been seeing people say on social media and on the boards and stuff like that. Uh, I think Pete Docter is brilliant and creative. He's going to do very well. I think, uh, oh, I can't remember the woman who's taking over. And Jennifer Lee. Jennifer Lee. Um, She's done some great things already. She's fairly
1: new to the company, I believe. But, um, yeah, she, she, I mean, she struck it really big, um, with frozen. That's mm -hmm. what she wrote and directed. Um, she also was a part of, I believe wreck it. Ralph was her first, but, um, since two
0: good starts. Yeah. (laughs) and, And
1: since frozen, she's received credits on, um, on all the animated movies since then. Uh, if I'm correct. And I know uh, I know the first thing that technically she did that was a flop um, was, I believe she wrote the script for A Wrinkle in Time. Um, but you know oh, what? Well. It's not everyone, not everyone can be perfect.
0: So. No, I mean, look at John Carter at Mars.
1: Yeah. You know, but
0: still, Andrew Stanton still can, you know. He's still done, that was just a little bump in the
1: road. Exactly, yeah. So but, um, I, I think, I think... I, I agree with you on those fronts. I'm not I'm not going into Lasseter. I've spoken enough about that on the Disney World edition. Mm-hmm. I know some of you may not listen to it, but uh that's where that's where we call this cross promotion. Um mm-hmm. but in terms of the the how the other company how the companies are gonna work in the time being now, uh they are going to do just as well as they have mm-hmm. been doing because part part of good leadership isn't isn't just um you know it's not just being the person who's stepping up and doing everything it's it's kind of it's setting that mantra so whether or not uh there was inappropriate behavior happening and stifling opportunities um you can still learn from a leader good or bad whether or not you're in a, a proper environment so you know you can you can still be like you know what the work ethic that's something that I could take note of and work on. And and in John Lasseter's time there, he definitely did instill some great leadership values throughout his time there, and I'm sure many many took notice of it. Um, and so, ultimately, on the other side, things are things are going to be fine. If anyone was mm-hmm. worried at all, I I have no idea what you're what you're worried about in general. No. It's it's a complete different complete different case from when walt passed away as to lee as to um as to john lasseter leaving the company it's two oh, two complete different things mm-hmm. but um the last one is a question from our miscellaneous category that i when i was scrolling through and looking at questions it was one that i just had to ask you um because well it helps that you started uh the whole episode off with a story of your time at the walt disney family museum but carrie asked um, said i'd like to hear what item or experience michael has witnessed at the walt disney family museum is your most treasured and why and i'm interested in this too
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she said keep up the fantastic work oh yes yes,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> um gosh you know this is really tough because i've had some really amazing experiences at the Walt Disney Family Museum. I mean, getting to know the Walt Disney family um, has been amazing. You know, when... um, (laughs) Like when we went for the 60th anniversary of Disneyland and we went and we had... um, you know, we when we had breakfast, we were seated next to, uh, you know, at the, at the plaza, we were seated next to um, the Disney family, and they came over and said hello, and that just blew everybody away, you know, because we were with Mary Jo and, you know, Tom and folks. And so, um, but I would say, and we've already brought him up, I would say meeting Tyrus Wong. Uh, and I, I think I've talked about this before, where I was at the Walt Disney Family Museum and I was in the gallery where they have the display about Bambi. And I because that is one of my favorite films and 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 the and my favorite film, Pinocchio is also right next to it. They have a display there. So I was looking at that era of films. And so I'm admiring some of Tyra Wong's backgrounds. and then suddenly, Tyrus Wong is standing next to me. Now, I think he was like 97 years old at the time. And he lived to be over 100 before he passed. And he just starts talking to me. And he was with, I think he was with one of his daughters. And he was with a couple of people from the museum. And he just starts talking to me about making Bambi. And about his painting. And how, and how he created the backgrounds. And all this stuff. And I, I, I just... I, I, I don't think I said anything intelligent. Um, I just was so amazed that uh, that this was happening. I thought, I, this is incredible. And, and I don't know, I, I blathered something about how much I liked Bambi and all that. But um, anyway, and he and he was sharp as a tack. I mean, boy, and that that was an amazing experience just um, sounds like it to 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 be looking at his art and then suddenly he stands there and starts talking to me about it and about the chinese style and the how he um you know he just used a few strokes to just to create the hint of the backgrounds and all that And, and i mean oh it was it was just amazing just amazing and then they have these tiny, tiny little thumbnail sketches that he did. And he was talking about how, how many he did for that as he was um, wow. getting ready, you know, as he was practicing, um, hoping he was going to get assigned to Bambi because he was doing that, he was an in-betweener and he hated it. And when he heard about Bambi, um, he, he read the book, he knew the story and so he wanted to get on it. And so he just started immediately doing work and all that so
1: um anyway. that's so cool
0: yeah yeah so anyway so yeah that's it that's probably one of my stories so that's, that's anyway. great
1: that's a great way to end this round of question and answers yeah. i think
0: Well, here we are. We're going to finish up the month of June here with our this day in Disney history quiz. And of course we have we have a tie. We have Craig Williams and Luella You know, I said you're not last week so perfectly and now for this week I don't know. You're
2: so close. I know.
0: L'Oriella.
2: L'oreola. L'oreola. Yeah.
1: Well, oh,
0: she's see what happens, you know. It's like it's a crapshoot with me sometimes. So uh, anyway, but uh, Luella, welcome back after such a great job last week.
2: Well, thank you so much. I'm ready to do my final challenge.
0: Excellent. So, so you know, we talked about how you became part of the Diz a couple weeks ago. Last week, how you, uh, you know, you how you became a. Disney fan. And this week, why don't you tell our listeners a little about what you do as part of our West Coast team for the Diz?
2: Well, I'm very excited to be a part of the best and worst of Disneyland. And having gone to Disneyland, you know, as often as I have, I think I have a little insight on what my opinion of best and worst, but however you love it or things that you feel can be a little bit improved, I think is is great for you. So it's been a great journey um, getting here and just sharing why I love Disneyland so much.
0: Excellent. Yeah, it's it's nice to have that content and that perspective. Uh, it's great to see a lot of my, my old friends from the Disneyland show back. Yes back there in video. See them face to face. Now I know what they look like.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I really did know what they looked like. But it, it's definitely a series I look forward to all the time. Really good energy, good information, just a lot of fun, good banter. Um, so if you have not checked out the best and worst of Disneyland, even if you don't have any intention of going to Disneyland, you listen to the show because you are you know you're interested in Walt Disney. Well, that's his park. That's his park that he touched. That's his park that he created. That he walked through. Uh, so listen to the Disneyland show to learn more about Walt's park. Listen to the best and worst. At watch the best and worst of of, of Disneyland. Find yes, out more please about Walt's park. Yeah,
2: and it's and it's um, always some. I'm always learning myself different things when I hear uh, my colleagues talk. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. So, uh, and you can, whether you come or just kind of observe, uh, I think it's great to always learn about Waltz Park.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And and uh, Tyler Crouch, who is the producer, adds some wonderful um, video and You know, photos that really enhance the conversation. So, if you have a longing to see Walt's Park, this is a great way of doing it as well. So, and it'll help you with some of your uh, trip planning. Might inspire you, you know, to to go to Disneyland. So, well, let's take a look at what's going on in in the world of Disney for the week of June twenty fourth. Maybe even something with Disneyland might. Crop up this week. So, for our rules for our this week in Disney history quiz, are um, if you if you choose not to hear this the multiple choice options, you will receive three points for a correct answer. If you do want to hear the multiple choice options you will receive 2 points for a correct answer if you ask to have one answer taken away uh, you will receive 1 point for a correct answer or if your opponent uh, gets a, a question incorrect, you can steal that question and receive one point for the correct answer. If you are playing our home version with us, please remember that our home rules, no Googling, yahooing, binging, or whatever, else, YouTubing, or whatever else uh, is out there um, to get the answers. This all has to come from your head, just like our two contestants are doing. So, all right. Are we all ready? Yes. Okay. Yep, nice. Well, Luella, as in the last couple of weeks here, you do have the option as our guest of either receiving the question or passing the first question on to Craig.
2: I think I'm doing well going first, so I'll go ahead and take the first question.
0: All right. Okay. On June 24th, 2013, Disney chairman and CEO of, Bob Iger leads a ceremony dedicating a soundstage at Walt Disney Studios to this Disney legend. And if you get the correct answer, you will have an opportunity to earn a bonus point.
2: Okay. I do know this because I did read all about this and I I love this Musketeer, And um, I want to say it's Annette Funicello.
0: I love her, too. Is that your final answer, That's my
2: final answer.
0: That is correct. Disney chief Bob Iger leads a ceremony dedicating stage one at the Walt Disney Studios to Annette Funicello, the masketeer turned movie star who had passed away in April at age 70. The stage where the Mickey Mouse Club was filmed is now officially the Annette Funicello stage. Very good. Okay, Luella, for a bonus point, one other stage at the Walt Disney Studios is named for a Disney legend. Who is it?
2: Okay, so I know this, too. Um, I've been blessed to go to the Walt Disney Studios, and I'm going to – and I think I have a picture. Well, I do have a picture, if I'm correct. Uh, Julie Andrews. I'm going to go with Julie Andrews as my final answer.
0: That is correct. We is the only picture there. we do. She's the only other entertainer to have a namesake stage at the Walt Disney Studios. Of course, some of us actually worked on those stages. We don't just have pictures. (laughs) Now, okay. For another bonus point, what is the stage number of the Julie Andrews stage?
2: Oh, gosh. Um... That I don't know. Although I have a picture in front of it, <laughs> but off the top of my head, I don't know. I'm just going to say one. I don't know it though.
0: No, that was that's the Net Funicello stage. stage yeah. One. Okay, but that's very good because you got four points altogether, Craig. For a point, do you know the stage number of the Julie Andrews stage?
1: Oh, um, no. Um, if we're just guessing numbers, uh, four. <laughs> is that your final answer? Sure.
0: Okay, now you, you're you both going to kick yourself. It's stage two.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, stage, stage two is built and financed between a joint agreement between Walt Disney and director Jack Webb, who used the stage for the filming of the television series Dragnet. So, in October 1955, Stage 2 began production on the first series of the Mickey Mouse Club from 1954 to 1955. And prior to the opening of the facilities at Glendale, California, WED Enterprises, now Walt Disney Imagineering, occupied Sound Stage 2 to build multiple attractions for Disneyland, including the Mark Twain Riverboat. Since then, Stage 2 has been used for filming of multiple attractions for Walt Disney Park's and resorts. So, very good. And, of course, it was dedicated to to Julie Andrews because parts of Mary Poppins and parts of the then-current filming of The Princess Diaries took place in that soundstage. Okay. All right. So, Craig, over to you. Now, Noella has four points. You're going to have to work hard here to catch up. So, on on June 25th, 1932, Walt Disney throws A shindig on account of the studio saying goodbye to Columbia and hello to this film studio as the new distributor of Disney films. What is the new film studio? June 25th,
1: 1932. Okay, well, I'm going to need multiple choice on that right is it A
0: RKO Radio Pictures B Universal Pictures C Buena Vista Distribution or D United Artists
1: um i i know eventually RKO helped distribute but i don't believe that was until closer to the 40s i i think it was united artists
0: is that your final answer
1: yeah yeah final answer okay you are correct
0: columbia pictures had dropped the distribution of disney cartoons earlier in the year united artists founded in 1919 by d.w griffith charlie chaplin mary pickford and douglas fairbanks will now be distributing the disney shorts the celebration started at 8 p.m. at the Walt Disney Studio on Hyperion Avenue. Excellent. So that's two points. Okay. All right. Two to four in Luella's favor. Luella, back to you. Okay. Kate. Montgomery's Country Inn opens its doors for the first time in Los Angeles, California on June 26th, 1922. It is better known today by another name and its Disney association.
2: Hmm. Okay. Uh, I have no idea. So let's go with multiple choice.
0: Okay. Is it A, the Brown Derby? B, the Tam O'Shanter Inn, C, Clifton's Cafeteria, or D, Martino's Original Bakery.
2: Okay, well, since there is some Disney connection, and I don't think there's a Disney connection with Brown Derby, but there is definitely one with the Tam O'Shanter, which is an older restaurant and has been there. A while and Walt Disney used to go there. It's right by the studios. I'm going to go with the Tam O'Shanter.
0: Okay, final answer.
2: Final answer.
0: Well, you know, there is a Brown Derby restaurant at the um, Disney Hollywood Studios, but you are correct. Montgomery's Country Inn will later be named the Tamashanter Inn and become a regular hangout for Walt Disney and his animators. Walt will become friends with the owners, even suggesting they open a coffee shop in his Tomorrowland. Today, the Tamashanter is the oldest restaurant in Los Angeles, still operated by the same family in the same location.
1: Are you just going to keep giving her all the ABD questions? (laughs) (laughs) It's very unfair, Michael. (laughs) It's the luck of the draw
0: here.
2: But <laughs> so, well, I do love anyway. the Tam O'Shanter. I've been there, and um, it's it's uh, if you get to sit at Walt Disney's mm-hmm. table, and even if you don't, you just feel you just you just feel like old Hollywood. It's it's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's two different tables. Well, there's actually three you could opt to sit at. There's the famous table thirty-one, which is the more quiet. Tucked in the corner, away one. There's table thirty-five. If he was there with a big group of animators, they would sit at that one. But then there was a little place. It, there was a little one, like in the um, bar area, that he would sit at. that The um owners told me about. Oh. As well. So that's a little lesser known. I I saw. Um, I don't know if I saw it on. The, I don't know where I saw it. I think they're building a patio now. Oh, table. nice. Yeah, that should be nice. Okay, well, it is six to two, Craig. Uh, okay, we're ready for your big comeback here. Okay. Okay, so for June 27th, Don Grady. Perhaps best known as one of television's most beloved big brothers as Robbie Douglas on the long-running 1960s hit My Three Sons, starring Disney legend Fred McMurray, passed away on June 27, 2012, at the age of 68. However, Disney fans may know him better for what role? Hmm. What was his name again? Don Grady. Um,
1: um, the name sounds very familiar. I just... Uh, I'll go with multiple choice.
0: Let's see, is his role Disney fans may know him better for as A... A musketeer on the original Mickey Mouse Club, B a Boy Scout in the Walt Disney film Follow Me, Boys as Kurt Russell's best friend, coincidentally starring Fred McMurray, C a Disneyland Jungle Cruise skipper when he attended Los Angeles City College, or D a drummer for the band The Yellow Balloon, which performed at Disneyland t- Disneyland's Tomorrowland Terrace in the summer of 1967.
1: Well, uh none of those are really jumping out to me still. So I'm g- going to go with I am just going to take a wild guess and go with the musketeer just because I know anytime you get the chance to involve the musketeers you take.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, despite only appearing for one season on the mickey mouse club in 1957 Don Grady reunited with his fellow Musketeers over the years most recently oh, nice. during their 50th anniversary celebration born Don Lewis Agrati on June 8, 1944 he was also a singer, composer and musician Grady's Disney musical credits include a new Winnie the Pooh theme songs for Disney's Magic English he also scored game animations and the first original Princess Songs in 50 years, the Princess Tea Party album and the Princess Christmas album, co written with multi platinum lyricist Marty Panzer. So, you are correct. Yeah.
1: Not for the right reasons, but correct <laughs> nonetheless.
0: So, and actually, his band was the Yellow Balloon. Oh, but, okay. uh, as far as I know, they did not perform at Disneyland's Tomorrowland Terrace. So, okay so four to six uh, you're catching up there Craig okay so over to Luella okay so Luella on June 28th 2009 the Art Directors Guild Film Society and American Cinematique honor the late production designer and special effects designer Peter Ellenshaw with a screening of this Walt Disney film
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to ask for multiple choice. Is it A,
0: Treasure Island, B, from 1950, B, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea from 1954, C, Mary Poppins from 1964, or D, The Island at the Top of the World from
2: 1974? Hmm, gosh. I... I really am not sure. I'm going to ask for you to remove one.
0: All right. I will remove
2: Mary Poppins. And that's probably the one I wasn't going to guess. (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm going to go with a Treasure Island.
0: Treasure Island. Final answer?
2: Final answer.
0: Okay, that is incorrect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Good okay. guess, though. He was the mat artist. He was the mat artist for that film. Great film. Okay, Craig, you can get a point for this. So, how was Peter Ellenshaw honored? Was it with a screening of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea or The Island at the Top of the World?
1: Um. Mm. Uh. I mean, the. in my mind, the obvious answer, like we've talked about the island at the top of the world on this podcast before through Discovery Bay as well as, I believe, on one of the treasures from the Disney vault. And Mm -hmm. it's not beloved by anyone. (laughs) Um, The only thing that's throwing me off about... The only thing that's throwing me off about Twenty Thousand Leagues is I'm trying to think of moments that in the movie that would have involved Peter Ellenshaw's work, and uh, because it is so iconic and stuff like Mary Poppins, that I I'm just I'm sure he worked on Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea too, but. I just genuinely can't remember any moments that like stood out that he should be honored for his work so whereas Island at the Top of the World from my memory of the last time I watched it a little while back it did it, it was not really oh man um, I'm, I'm going with Island at the Top of the World
0: Okay, final
1: answer. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, he was the mat artist on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but for some inexplicable reason, they actually showed the island at the top of the world. He, uh, Peter Ellenshaw was the uh, special effects and production designer for the film, and he actually was an Academy Award nominee in production design for that film. Okay, so.
1: that's, I, just, I, I just don't... I mean, for for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, it's just, it's so, like, all the sets are what I take away from that movie. So, that's the only thing that was jumping out. Like, you wouldn't want to respect him for that when when the sets were what really made that stand out. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, so, good. Well, you're catching up now. Here we are, five to six. Luella's still in the lead. But this next one is yours, Craig. So, okay, Disney's Touchstone Pictures premieres Armageddon on June 29, 1998. Where is the premiere held? Um, Multiple choice. (laughs) Is it A, Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas? B, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Los Angeles, California? C, Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida? Or D, Café Theater in Shanghai, China?
1: Uh, what well, was
0: A again, sorry? Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas.
1: I believe something just broke from my chair. Uh, <laughs> that's not good. Um... Don't fall. (laughs) (laughs) I'll figure it out. It'll be
0: your Armageddon if you do. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I just needed to make reference because I'm sure that picked up on audio. Um, (laughs) I have an idea, but I'm going to. No. See, I would say I would take one away if. If I felt like you would take one of the ones away that I would (laughs) go for, but considering you threw something out like Singapore and the movie had nothing to do with Singapore, I, I don't trust you on that. I, I know the, the heart of the movie takes place at like mission control and that would be in, in Texas, but I, I don't know. Maybe I feel like I... I feel like I've seen a picture of the premiere, though, in Kennedy. It, what, was the, what was the other one besides that?
0: Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Los Angeles, California. Right. The Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. And Cathay Theater in Shanghai, China.
1: Or Shanghai, not Singapore. Um... I I believe I've seen a picture of a premiere in Kennedy, so um, I'm I'm going with that. Okay, your final answer. Yeah.
0: So, what you do remember, of course, that Shanghai was destroyed in the film, but it was Disney's Touchstone Pictures premieres Armageddon at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Uh, This film, of course, featured an all-star cast headed by Bruce Willis. The film follows a group of blue-collar deep core drillers sent by NASA to stop a gigantic asteroid on a collision course with Earth. Legendary rockers Aerosmith, who have four songs in the film's soundtrack, perform I Don't Want to Miss a Thing at the giant premiere. The screening takes place in a special state-of-the-art theater, which has been constructed by Disney's technical wizards outside NASA's Apollo Saturn V Center. And Armageddon will be generally released July 1st, 1998.
1: Very good. Like th- so, Yeah, I don't know if it was on one of my trips to Kennedy or what, where I saw it, but I just I felt like I remembered seeing it. It might even actually be at... At Walt Disney World somewhere, or it could be just a still shot from the movie, and I'm jumbling everything it, up together. Um, maybe it was on the backlot tour. It could have been, yeah. gotta say
0: I remember they were featuring Armageddon when I did the backlot tour yeah. in the early years.
1: Yeah, I remember those days.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, you're ahead, Craig, seven to six. But Luella, this, you, it's your question here.
2: Okay. Um,
0: Hey. On June 30th, 2011, it is reported that Walt Disney Pictures is developing another film based on one of its theme park attractions. Which attraction is it?
2: You know, I, I think I recall hearing about this, but I'm going to ask for the multiple choice.
0: All right? Is it A, the Matterhorn Bobsleds? B, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad C, The Haunted Mansion D, Dumbo the Flying Elephant Hmm.
2: I want to say that I recall hearing and thinking gosh, that'd be kind of cool and I don't think it's The Haunted Mansion I've seen that movie (laughs)
1: <laughs> we all help, unfortunately
2: and um you know i i i'm i'm think I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this because i remember thinking it'd be kind of cool and i and i i want to say it's the matterhorn um i'm gonna go with um the matterhorn final answer
0: answer. okay that is correct Walt Disney Pictures has hired Jason Dean Hall to write the script based on the Matterhorn the popular bobsled attraction at Disneyland the storyline will be about five young mountain climbers scaling the Matterhorn who have an unfortunate encounter with a yeti
1: I did not
0: hear about that that sounds (laughs) awful I know. Well, maybe that's why they didn't
1: make it. No offense. I don't know. I thought maybe it was. I and terrible, I remember.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I because I love the Matterhorn. I mean, I really do. And I remember when they used to have people scaling it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, do you remember that? They'd have. Oh, I do. And, They'd
0: even have Mickey Mouse scale it sometimes.
2: Yeah, and I used to think that would be so cool. Like to hear about you know, I, I just because I I'm a big fan of disneyland's matterhorn and remember that so um but yeah it didn't happen
1: <laughs> it's, i think we're all better off only having third man on the mountain
2: that's yeah.
1: it's yes we're okay with that they didn't need to throw a yeti in the mix too
2: and i remember this because this is about the time you know i measure everything with the birth of my children so my third son was just born so <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you thought how cool it would be if he climbed the matter. <laughs> yeah, it,
2: it could have been my like hormonal mind, you know, mm-hmm. going on at that time.
0: <laughs> well, very good. Luella. you pulled ahead. This is eight to Craig's seven. And that means you you came out ahead in this series of the connecting with Walt history quiz. Congratulations.
2: Ah. Uh, yay. Yeah,
0: <laughs> very good. Yeah, it's a, your your uh, your knowledge of Disney is impressive.
2: Well, you know, and I listen to you guys all the time, so I know I'm learning <laughs> something.
0: There you go. That's right. So, see, Craig, you contributed to her win.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still say the questions that she got were a little <laughs> bit easier towards the beginning.
0: But <laughs> well, well, it's it's the luck of the questions. Yeah,
1: so. I, I've been on the lucky side of that before. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and of course, we do have a, a,
0: a lovely gift for you, uh, Luella of Corvettes of the Year's supply of funny face drink from Pillsbury. Funny <laughs> face is fun to drink. There are five fruity flavors goofy grape, injun orange, root and, toot and raspberry, Chinese cherry, and loudmouth lime. They're so sweet without sugar, so there's no sugar mess.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: You're welcome. I know your children will enjoy those questionable products.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But this was a lot of fun. It's a big pleasure. And I do love connecting with Walt because it, um, you know, coming from Southern California and I've always, not just Disneyland, but LA, you can really feel Walt in so many places. So um, this is, It's a great show, and it really connects me because you talk about a lot of things that I actually could see, so it's great.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, That means a lot to us, and thank you for being a part of our West Coast team. Uh, It's just such a joy to have you. Thank you. Uh, You know, part of our team, and and, uh, everyone, be sure you check out Luella and our fellow West Coast team members on The Best and Worst of Disneyland. Luella, how often does that come out?
2: It usually comes out once a week, and um, kind. I think it's on a Monday. I'm not quite sure when it's released, but um, you can watch our show um, every Monday when it's released and join in in the conversation and make some comments. And um, it's always a lot of fun. Um, You know, it can get kind of personal because it's our own personal opinion, but we love to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, everything is everything we say is our personal opinion, and that's how. (laughs) People just have to take it, you know, yes. and, and and Craig, for our listeners who want to catch up on the episodes of Best and Worst of Disneyland, where can they find um, past episodes it's of the series?
1: All, all available at youtubecom dot slash So there's a there's a nice uh, playlist with every episode all the way back to the first one. So you can just watch one after the next, after the next, after the next. If you do. Sounds-
0: sounds like it's a perfect afternoon
1: yeah good good way to spend a rainy summer
0: day so well luella i hope you will join us again on connecting with walt
2: definitely definitely thank you for having me
0: you're welcome thank you for being a part of our day Well, by the time this episode airs Carol and I will be in Orlando for a conference uh, we won't be spending a lot of time at Walt Disney World but you might see me at Animal Kingdom and Disney Hollywood Studios at some point so follow my Facebook page with the Connecting with Walt logo and our Twitter page at Connecting Walt, because I'll probably post when I'll be there. And I'd love to meet up with some of our um, Connecting with Walt family. And next week, you know, even though I'll, I won't be around, like we said earlier, next week we are going to have part two of our Q&A, and where we're going to answer some of your questions about theme parks. And, it, Craig, there were so many great questions. Uh, we couldn't get to all of them this time around in all of our different categories
1: no not so, at all uh, and I, I think we could even <laughs> next time we could do another question and answer on top of that without having to ask you for questions again but we could we still might well yeah well I save
0: them all and so I mean I have some from all the previous ones that we haven't answered so yeah if we get into a uh, fix. We might just have an impromptu Q and A from the
1: ones already posted someday. Yeah. So,
0: okay. So, Craig. Until next time, where can our listeners connect with you on the
1: Diz Unplugged As always, you can find me Tuesdays on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, Thursdays on the Universal Edition podcast, uh, Wednesdays on the Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, uh, Random Days on the Diz Daily Fix, and then, as always, on Twitter and Instagram at Teleclaster. What about you, Michael?
0: And you can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at MBowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Of course, that's at the connecting with Walt Banner is the best one. Instagram, i Michael Bowling the Diz. And, of course, as already mentioned, you can connect with me and Craig on um, Connecting with Walt on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you'd like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings.